Audi is launching its all-electric e-tron range in South Africa in the first quarter of 2022. Join us in celebrating the many possibilities of progress with our Future is an Attitude podcast series. If you search online for the phrase, the future belongs to people who, the autocomplete options that pop up might surprise you. They tell a story, a story of who and what we need to be to perform in the world of tomorrow. The future belongs to people who believe and those who can see the possibilities that it holds. Those who are willing to learn, unlearn and relearn. To people who see potential. To those who dare. And the future belongs to people who can adapt. More opportunities are going to open up and being discerning and choosing to focus and being super intentional is going to determine our ability to get to the next leap. We're going to need an excellent ability to be able to filter and prioritize what is important, what is accurate, what is relevant. And that's where critical thinking is going to become huge. Basically figuring out what is the right thing to do as opposed to just doing the task right. We've got big problems that need solving. And the people that I think are role models are the people who are not trying to put the brakes on and hold us back in the status quo. They are people who are inviting us to question, to think differently, and are showing us visions of the future. I'm Azania Mosaka, and this is Future is an Attitude, a new podcast series from Audi about how design, performance, sustainability, and the digital world can intersect to help us shape the future we want and need. These principles are not only close to my heart, they're also fundamental to a world in which we can all thrive. We're featuring South Africans who think differently about the future, who challenge the status quo, and who are redefining progress. South Africans who can help us imagine and shape a better tomorrow. Katlehoma Pai is one of South Africa's high performers, one of the people who can see future possibilities and is leading the charge into action. He's the co-founder and CEO of Yoko, a payments provider for small businesses in Africa that recently scored an astonishing 1.2 billion rand in overseas investment. Having seen what was happening in the telecom space where operators had found a way to get cell phones into the hands of everyday people, get SIM cards into the hands of everyday people, and get vouchers into the hands of everyday people, we saw the impact of that. And in many respects, we saw an opportunity to do the same thing in payments, which is really critical. Katlejo and his co-founders invented a little card machine that can be used by anyone, meaning there's no need for expensive bank terminals and they built their financial technology company around one single idea. The purpose of Yoko is enabling people to thrive. The purpose preceded the business model, preceded a line of code, it preceded the business plan. And that's really the golden thread in the company story. It's taken six years to get there, but Yoko is undoubtedly a proudly South African and African success story. And yes, you know, we've raised a lot of capital. There's been growth, been amazing milestones. But this is really the golden thread that continues. And I guess what's, what's happening over time and what's beginning to compound is that we're now able to attract resources to amplify this purpose. But the golden thread continues. Tukatleho, the golden thread that enables any business to perform is purpose. This notion of focus having a singular goal inside the organization that everyone can recite and truly understands is very, very, very important. 
and then linking the strategy back to that and decomposing it into the different teams is super important. And, you know, we learned a lot about this and it's just been amazing getting to a point now where we really understand the power of a singular goal and having everyone speak the same language. As far as Gatlejo is concerned, the future belongs to those who believe. And to believe in something is being able to visualize a better tomorrow. That gives you meaning. This sense of purpose, of having a reason to be, is not only about business. It's something we can bring into our everyday lives too. Understanding and spending the time to figure out the purpose of your life and why you're here is so important. And I just find uh, whether it's through, you know, our education system or even our socialization, we don't really have these conversations. And if we do, they get turned off very quickly. And as a result, a lot of folks don't take the time to ask these questions. But I think it's the question to ask. There's a Japanese concept that really helps capture this idea of purpose, of living a life for a reason on a personal level. It's called Ikigai. Roughly translated into English, it's about how do we find fulfillment? How do we find real meaning in life? And it's four overlapping circles. And it's about making choices that find the sweet spot where each of those four circles intersects with each other. Futurist Graham Codrington is a huge fan of the Ikigai concept. You've probably seen the Venn diagram of the four overlapping circles he's talking about on social media somewhere. One circle is for things that you're good at. Another, for things that you can get paid for. And so if you think about making a choice of a career, for example, the first thing is, are you good at it? That's the first circle. Are you good at it? The second question is, Will somebody pay you to do it? In other words, is there a job available? Now, I think that my parents, the sort of people who are in their 60s and 70s and older today, that was all they looked for. You know, get a good job in a big company and stay there. And then you, you, you work your way for 25 years, you get your gold watch, you retire, job done. So you're good at it and someone will pay you to do it. The third overlapping circle in Ikigai is all about the things that you love and that align with your personal values. I think my generation, I'm, I'm sort of late 40s, early 50s, so-called Generation X. I think we added an extra layer to that. That's the third circle. Do I love it? You know, I don't want to get stuck in a job just because I earn the money and I can do it. I don't want to get stuck in a job that I hate, that I really am not enjoying. And so we added the third question. Do I like it? Do I love it? And the fourth I think that Gen Z, today's young people, have added the fourth interlocking circle of Ikigai, which is, does it improve the world? And I look at today's young people, when they're thinking about their careers, when they're thinking about their future, they're not just thinking about, can I do it? Will I get paid for it? Do I enjoy it? They're also thinking about, does it make a difference to the world? The ultimate sweet spot is right at the center where all four of these circles overlap. It's a combination of doing what we're good at, getting paid for it, enjoying it, and being able to make a difference now and into the future. Because the future belongs to people who understand that the choices they make today will have a bearing on the world we live in tomorrow. The future belongs to people who can see the possibilities. One of the challenges when it comes to making ourselves future fit to owning our future and being able to perform is being able to think differently, 
beyond the traditional and how things have always been done. We can't help but get trapped in the past. We expect what worked last week, last month, last year or last decade to work tomorrow. We um, have this leadership principle at the company, which is, you know, be courageous and focus forward. And what it means is the courage piece is have the courage to let go of what you've built, your job title, anything that like sort of represents the past. Have the courage to leave that behind because it's not allowing you to move forward. The world is changing more rapidly than ever. We're due to see as much progress in the next 15 years as we have in the last 150. And we need to be able to reinvent ourselves, reimagine ourselves to keep up. If you're not focusing forward, it's very difficult to progress. And I think this is just a very important principle that you've got to let go of what you've built and you've got to move forward into the future. I think a, a culture that's future fits is a culture of learning. Learning, learning and learning consistently. Sanelle Njapa is known as the unlearning lady. She helps people and organizations unlearn bad habits and old ways of thinking and focus on the future instead. If you think about how human beings actually learn or create new assumptions and new hypotheses, it is through unlearning and relearning. You and I are unlearning and relearning all the time. But when we're asked to do it on something that seems big, then we get, oh my goodness, we get so intimidated or we get so scared. To Zanelle, there's nothing scary about letting go of outdated beliefs. In fact, to keep up with the huge rate of change we're going to experience in the next decade or two, we need to keep updating our own knowledge and our own understanding of the world. And that's the mind of the 21st century. It's the mind that's always going, okay, that's new. I don't know about that. Let's, let's redirect. Let's, let's reshift. Because most of us get so comfortable in understanding and knowing what we know. And that's fine. That'll serve me forever. And very rarely do we almost create that recalibration to say, oh, that's new. I didn't know that. Okay, now how do we shift our understanding? We need to stay agile, absorb new information, and adapt our ways of doing things in order to keep up and innovate because the future belongs to people who can learn, unlearn, and relearn. Is the future a distant reality or something we shape with the progress we make today? Over a hundred years ago, Audi was founded on a vision of constant progress. In 2022, we accelerate this journey with the new Audi e-tron range, a collection of progressive, all-electric vehicles designed to usher in a new era of mobility. Let's shape tomorrow's world together. The Future is an Attitude podcast series, proudly brought to you by Audi. Read more at 702.co.za. High performers can help us get to where we want and need to go. They push boundaries, test assumptions and explore what's possible. They're always after one simple thing, better results. And how do we get better? We learn. The big gap we're missing is that we have focused education on defining the content, the what of what we're supposed to learn in school and university. And it's increasingly more about how people learn as opposed to what. And that changes the game altogether. Rapelang Rabana is a world-renowned tech entrepreneur and the co-founder of a bite-sized edutech company called Rekindle Learning. And she's trying to turn education on its head. Instead of now, you know, producing textbooks, we need to understand how we curate experiences that provide sufficient challenge 
depending on your student's level of ability in any subject, whether they're learning maths or entrepreneurship, etc. So we need our teachers, our educators, to go from being sharers of information to masters of generating learning experiences. So maybe the simplest way for me to explain it is I had a really great squash coach when I was at, at school and she was really good because from watching you, she could tell, you know, which techniques you needed to, to fix. She could tell your progress and what you needed to do to go to the next level. And she could also pair you with the right squash player partner to play with you to help bridge those gaps. And so that was someone who understood how do I create the next experience for the student so that they can move up a level in terms of their proficiency in that particular task. Rapelang isn't only focused on edutech and building her own business. She also helps guide and grow other startups. For her, it's about collective progress as well. What I've enjoyed a lot about the entrepreneurs that I've worked with in this, in this period is just their authenticity. So they have picked challenges that they have intimate life experience about. And that allows them to pick up nuances and insights that someone, you know, reading academically about the problem or industry wouldn't necessarily be able to solve. And I think that gives them a real advantage. And to her, the most successful entrepreneurs are those who believe they're solving significant problems, not just for themselves, but for the communities and societies around them. The other bit is the fact that they have a view of the world on how things could work better and are willing to spend years of their life proving it to, to everybody else. And that's an incredibly important trait because any innovative enterprise or startup, it ultimately rests on that person's belief that we should be able to do X and Y better. We should be able to get better value by doing A and B and C. The thing about startups is that for the most part, they're trying something new. They're trying to do things that have never been done before. Each and every organization is redefining what success and what failure means for them. But the biggest shift is definitely that we've all realized, it's as if a secret has been revealed to us, that the more we fail, the more we succeed. It's like a paradox, but I really think organizations are using this idea to experiment more, to try new things. So we try and we fail. And we try again until we get the results we want. But sometimes getting those results doesn't simply mean doing more and more. Strategy isn't necessarily what you do. It's actually what you don't do. So what you say no to. And that's the hard part. Katejo sees enormous possibility in the idea of saying no. Because it allows you to say yes to the things that really matter. It's really, I would say, essentialism and focus. Gatlejo feels strongly that this disciplined pursuit of less, which comes at the cost of almost everything else, is what drives individuals and organizations to succeed. And that kind of strategy needs to come from their leadership cultures. As we think about the future of work, as we design workplaces of the future, a lot of organizations, a lot of teams, a lot of leaders are asking themselves, how do we get there? How do we actually make it a reality? Because it's one thing for leaders to say, hey, this is the new direction, everybody jump. But it's just not enough. It's not enough. And, and the work that I do 
is helping leaders to understand how, how the brain changes. How do people really get motivated with change, to change? Whether we're talking about CEOs, swimming coaches or hairdressers, we all need to learn to embrace and even enjoy change. Leaders don't change their people. You're not going to change them because nobody wakes up in the morning, stretches and says, oh, I can't wait to fulfill my company's vision. Yes, it's going to bring me so much joy. Nobody says that. People wake up in the morning and say, I can't wait to fulfill my vision, my purpose for my own life. And so as leaders think about change, they really want to be asking this question, how do I support my people as they build the habits, as they change their behaviors to move in the direction of the company's vision and in their own personal visions as well. Putting people at the center and making sure that their own personal visions align with and feed into the company's vision That's the workplace of the future. Because on a personal and a professional level, the future belongs to people who see possibilities in everything they do. The relationship that a high performer has with the past, present and future is their secret weapon for success. It's a mindset. It's the difference that makes all the difference in the world. There are so many amazing skills that are going to be required. And of late, I spent a lot of time on creativity and critical thinking in particular. When you're focused on the future, you reflect on the past mistakes, but you don't dwell on them. You can be fully present in the now and you can think about the future in a whole new way. You can get creative and you can start to solve problems that no one has ever encountered before. Rappelang calls them first-of-a-kind situations. So when you're looking at those first-of-a-kind situations, creativity becomes absolutely crucial. And again, we haven't spent enough time really unpacking what that means. Most of us understand creativity to be put in a room, given some pens, told to brainstorm and think out of the box. And, and you know, those techniques don't really work because creativity really actually wasn't about that. But we've gotten stuck into these primitive ideas about how we develop those skills. Real creativity, the kind that changes the world, comes from questioning the rules, the status quo, and even ourselves. But how do we prepare ourselves to perform, to innovate in a future we can hardly imagine? I would say, to a certain extent, ignore the traditional lecturings you might get specifically from parents, you know, namely, go to university, that'll get you the job, and that's the career for life, because that world and that era has long, long, long gone. Dion Chang is a trends analyst. He looks at the trends of today to try to work out what tomorrow may bring us. And for him, performance in the future is going to be less like climbing a ladder and more like swinging between the bars of a jungle gym. Up, down, left, right. So for me, it is about learning to question things, learning to to be curious all the time, and also dip in and out of different things. So whether it's a short course, whether it's a thing, you know, don't don't narrow your horizons to one sector, to one industry to, to do that. Because what I've just found over the past couple of years is there's a blurring of lines there. So whatever skill set that you start creating, which you think might be only to benefiting of one sector or one industry, you will find that it actually suddenly pushes you into an unexpected trajectory that you never, never would have thought possible. So, so, so keep your mind open. We need to get comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable, with pushing ourselves beyond what we thought we were, because the future belongs to people who dare and people who adapt. 
We're moving into an era of unimaginable change. Our world is becoming increasingly connected, digital and automated. We're going to need to design and live in new ways to ensure our world remains sustainable. And we're going to have to change our outdated definitions of luxury and success. So how do we create meaning for ourselves in this brave new world? How do we find and understand our purpose and our place in it? Actually take the time. Honestly, it may really sound like a trivial thing um, to say, but actually I generally find that that's the problem is because we haven't been socialized or even educated to like think about these things. It doesn't come naturally, but it's actually about taking the time. We've got to live a life where uh, we are living a life that is not just for ourselves, but is for others as well. I think that is a distinctly African approach to the future, which is why I think some of these solutions will come out of Africa and not where maybe we've looked for solutions in the past. So, yeah, uh, for me, we need to find lives that are worthy of living. Invest in your personal growth by working with a coach, a therapist, anyone who holds a mirror to you and speeds up your feedback loop in terms of interpreting why you do certain things, why you think a certain way, and how you might have a choice to do something better. When the going gets tough, the top performers push through. They create and visualize their own paths into the future. Like Katlejo, they keep going. They keep focused. Even when people around them tell them that what they're trying to achieve is impossible. There was just many, many, many things. But in the end, like the thing that like anchored the grit and the determination and the resilience was the purpose. So the people who are going to thrive and perform in the future are those who can visualize and embrace what's coming. They can adapt to first-of-a-kind situations and respond to them with agility. They have the courage to learn and try new things and leave old ones behind. But maybe there's a new ending that could be added to those autocomplete options from Google. Maybe the future belongs to people with purpose too. The future is an attitude. The way we imagine and embrace it. The way we shape it with our thinking and our actions and the way we infuse it with our hopes and our dreams. The attitudes we adopt today are laying the foundations of our tomorrow. It's about questioning how things can be better in every way, how they can look better, feel better, perform better, and move us all forward. It starts with a curious mind and an optimistic outlook that says, imagine if. When that's how you view progress, you realize that attitude is everything. Just a reminder, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more episodes and do us a favor, tell a friend about it too, because after all, we're building our future together. Is the future a distant reality or something we shape with the progress we make today? Over a hundred years ago, Audi was founded on a vision of constant progress. In 2022, we accelerate this journey with the new Audi e-tron range, a collection of progressive, all-electric vehicles designed to usher in a new era of mobility. Let's shape tomorrow's world together. The Future is an Attitude podcast series, proudly brought to you by Audi. Read more at 702.co.za.